Welcome into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's a mall shot while I'm all the NFL schedule came out yesterday. I mean, we got nothing. We only have an hour to react to it. I, f- I feel like we're kind of getting cheated out of time. Very big show on tap today. In just about 10 minutes, Max Starks, two-time Super Bowl champion, of course, from the University of Florida. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to join us to talk about the schedule, talk about the draft, his preview of the season in the NFL. I want to get your hot takes because every take you have is hot. You know, every take. Okay. Tanny Garvey. I mean, every take's a hot take. Do you what's, see, what's, I don't remember when he got measured for a Super Bowl ring, but it's okay. What's your, what is your uh, take on the schedule? Anything that you see as an advantage, as a better from the schedule coming out? I really don't know. I don't pay that much attention mm-hmm. to the schedules right now simply because we're a long way from the regular season. Let's see how training camp impacts injuries. It's important if you're betting futures. But other than that, I mean, look, you already know six of the 17 teams people are going to face off against. We already knew the divisions that the teams were going to play. So you have a pretty good idea and understanding of what the potential schedule looks like. Now, there could be some pitfalls and back-to-back situations, but it's hard to project. If a team is without a Dak Prescott, then all of a sudden it changes the dynamic of what that opponent is coming up against. So lots of factors, and it's a moving part situation for me. I thought there were three schedules that stood out that you could take a look at that maybe were a bit off the, the beaten path that had some intricacy to them, something different, maybe an advantage, maybe a disadvantage. Let's talk about ones that I thought were an advantage. I thought Tampa Bay not really having to play in a cold-weather outdoor game is an advantage to that team. I think it's huge. I mean, when you look at the fact that Brady, being a little bit older, you're used to playing in a humid climate, which helps when you get down to the postseason if you're hosting a playoff game. I remember this year they had to go on the road, but the reality of it is I, I think it's generally beneficial. Schedules can be a factor, especially if, to go, if you have to go to Green Bay in late December, January. That's where those things become a factor. Chicago, Green Bay, maybe Seattle, but it doesn't get cold enough. Maybe, maybe, you, could, maybe you could have a little bit of blustery weather. Um, Denver a little bit. Sometimes New England. Yeah, New England. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about mm-hmm. there. Yeah, uh, the whole Raider Nation remembers that on that uh, alleged fumble. In a playoff game, a little later. in the year. <laughs> Exactly. But I, I think for the most part, if you think about it, think about how many teams have domes in the National Football League. I mean, you look at the AFC North, excuse me, AFC South, you've got Indianapolis in a dome, Houston in a dome, Jacksonville, good climate, and of course, Tennessee, not that bad. It might get a little chilly. Cold in the yeah, end cold, of December. Yeah, nothing major mm-hmm. where guys can't handle, guys play in the Midwest and the Big Ten, you know, even in some of these other conferences, so they're used to it. So I don't think it's that much of a factor overall as it used to be. Another team I thought got an advantageous schedule was the Chicago Bears in that they don't play any consecutive road games. They alternate home and road the entire year. The only team that does that. Yeah, but I don't necessarily see that as a disadvantage or an advantage because sometimes it could be advantageous to have back-to-back games. Let's say the travel constitutes like the Browns going to Cleveland, excuse me, to Cincinnati and Pittsburgh or Baltimore. Those are one-hour flights. Mm -hmm. If the Bears are playing against the Lions, the Packers, and or Minnesota in in back-to-back road games, it's not that big of a deal. But then you have an advantage of being at home possibly for 20 straight days or over, you know, 19 days. You make an excellent point. Not like the Raiders trips where they were going to England, coming back, going the West Coast, East Coast, back and back and forth like that. Well, that was just punishment for drafting Cleveland and Farrell. If they they drafted better, they would have had a better record. How would they be punished for Leatherwood this year? Well, they'll be punished on the (laughs) offensive line. (laughs) And then the, the... Team I thought has an interesting show, Baltimore, who gets four out of five on the road and then four consecutive home games. That's going to see that becomes a little bit taxing. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say four out of five uh, on the road, what are the road games? To me, yeah. a lot of it's about the trip, because the one thing about being a team on the East Coast, the travel is generally a lot less. Did you find uh, now San Francisco starts <gasps> two games out of their time zone that they have to travel to the East Coast? But remember, the 49ers did this two years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. Remember, they went and won at Tampa Bay in week one. Then they flew to Cleveland or wherever, or Cincinnati. They stayed in Ohio and then played Cleveland or played Cincinnati in week two, and they had two big, impressive victories that got that season jump started. 
Yeah, you know, you look at this 49ers schedule, they've got to go to the Jaguars in Week mm-hmm. 11, at the Bengals Week 14, and then at Tennessee Week 16. So you're looking at the Jacksonville trip is going to be longer, obviously. Uh, Cincinnati, not as easy of a trip as well. A little bit of travel there, but, you know, that's obviously life in the NFL, and you look at some of the other schedules. Look, they're against the Cardinals and Rams at home, and then you go on the road to uh, Jacksonville, so it's not as bad. You come back. You're at home against Minnesota. So for me, a lot of it is how it lays out. Now, if you're in back-to-back yeah. weeks like that, that becomes tough because you may choose not to return to the Bay Area. At least they have a what they will be favored in both those first two games where they're traveling. Yeah, at the Lions, at the Eagles, for sure. And I would think uh, that Shanahan will do the same game plan as he had last year when they play in Detroit. Probably head to the Philadelphia area for the weekend between, in terms of as opposed to returning to the West Coast. I, I think that makes sense, but it's early in the season. Who yeah. knows how they choose to approach that? You know, a lot of different factors because it is so early in the season. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But it's certainly interesting the way different teams got schedules. This is the nuts. I'm Mike Palm, and he's Amal Shaw. We're talking about the NFL schedule release that happened yesterday. Let's talk about bye weeks. I, I want to first start off and say this. I, I, first of all, I hate the way it's set up. Yeah. I, I want to say this. I think that with 17 games, the addition of the game, we should have had two bye weeks for each team. Well, so you want to make the schedule I want 19, 19 weeks. weeks. Mm-hmm. Then you push the Super Bowl towards March. I mean, I get it. The NFL could do that and get away with it. What I would ideally like to do, and I wish the league would do this, Basically, you've got 32 teams. And I understand Brent Musburger and I have talked about this, and he said, well, the TV would, it wouldn't work for television. I think it would work in this sense. Weeks 8, 9, 10, and 11, eight teams are off each weekend. Try to make it as close as possible, because right now it starts in week 6 through week 14. So you're talking about over nine weeks. You've got a different time when teams are off, and I think sometimes it hurts certain teams. Sometimes I think it benefits certain teams when it occurs because of the injury situation. I prefer it be a little bit more equal. The ideal thing to me is you have 16 teams off in week number eight, and you have 16 teams off in week number nine. I I would agree with you. I think in general it's an advantage to be off later than earlier because you get a chance to heal up more, would would likely be a more injured team or a more worn-down team. And then also the factor is who do you play after the bye week? Are these your key games that you get two weeks to prepare for? We know Andy Reid's so good off the bye, right? Yeah, he's terrific off the bye, and a lot of it is who you're playing, who did they play the previous week. So many factors are, you know, my thing that they should do, week nine, everybody's off the whole league. That way everybody can catch up on the work that they've got to do around the house that they've ignored for eight weeks once college football and the NFL have started. Just allow people a break in the middle of the season. Listen, let's be real here. We all sit there and watch the NFL like it's our job. Every weekend, once the season starts, you're like, well, I can't do that, especially if you're in the Eastern time zone. You have until about noon, 1230 to get going. Out here, you, what, are you kidding me? you got to set an alarm to get going. What out here, you got to get up at 7 a.m., yeah. and then it doesn't, it doesn't end until 8, 39 o'clock at night. At okay. least on the East Coast, you can go to church, you can go to breakfast, and you don't have to deal with anything until 1 o'clock. Well, I can tell you the way some of these teams have been playing. People haven't been praying enough. Right, let's talk about, have, have, you, know, you, did very, uh, you were very competitive in Survivor last year. You made it uh, to what week? I know, I know you didn't win, but yeah, you, week fifteen of seventeen, and you went against your own. Don't play a yeah, road team. Yeah. You switch. You, you were going to play Tennessee against mm-hmm. the Lions, you and also was a division opponent, which I hate as well. Yeah. So, but you mapped out a course, and you got there right to uh, almost to the very end. Have you looked at the schedule in terms of your survivor play this year? Now we know you mapped this not. out on a. a okay, you can, I you, haven't flown to Dallas in the last two days. You plan to do it again on a plane trip? Uh, listen, I know your boy Mitch Moss sit here. We well, he asked me if you took what an was Uber to work. Ask him all if he takes an Uber to work and he get his whole survivor plan do, laid out. First of out. all, do I seem like I've got a DUI arrest on my record? No, but they heard your, your car was in the shop at Lexus, and so they thought maybe you were, <laughs> you were taking an Uber. You've been humbly bragging about that for a while. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was so mad at Toyota for ripping me off on that one, so that's why I was in there. I was I was a little bit ticked off at them. But anyway, that's, that's another story. 
Listen, the bottom line is you are looking at teams you're going against. This is not rocket science, but, you know, I know he went to school at University of Wisconsin, not exactly the Harvard of the Midwest. If you need some help with it, I can help him out. Absolutely. All right. We're very pleased to have Max Starks join us on the program here today. Of course, Max Starks started at the University of Florida under both Steve Spurrier and Ron Zook. Third-round draft pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers, a 10-year career there, two Super Bowl rings, and currently a Sirius XM college football and NFL analyst. Welcome to the program, Max. Hey, my pleasure to be on here with you guys. How are y'all doing today? We're doing great. Thanks for taking the time. Well, your accolades are so great. That was longer than some of the blocks you had to sustain. Yeah, well, have you have you have you seen Ben Roethlisberger in his young days? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Max, is yeah, it new, new age Ben? Yes, that would be longer than. But old Ben, it was 17 seconds, and you're just praying that the ball will eventually come out. <laughs> Max, I wanted to get your take on the 17th game, having to play an extra game. How you would feel about that as a player? How that affects how that affects your conditioning? How it affects your overall outlook on the season? Well, I mean, when you look at the 17th game, right, there's always a greater risk. There's a greater risk of injury, putting yourself out there in a game that's not in the playoff. And, you know, that, that's, all, that's always an issue. But at the same time, if you're one of those teams that's a fringe team trying to get into the playoffs, it now gives you an extra game to kind of make your case, right, to kind of get that extra victory in if you're saying the NFC East, right, where mediocrity abound, you're going to see a team that's usually at 500 that's going to make it in. If this is the next game that can possibly put you over 500, say you're 8-8 eight and eight going into Week 17 and you get to 9-8 and eight, and your opponents don't win their game, they lose their game, they go to 8-9, and nine. now you've gotten a leg up by having that extra game. Um you know, I mean, I think it's something that we've all kind of been anticipating for a while that this 17th game was going to be instituted if we took away preseason games. So I look at it, you know, it's a double-edged sword, but I look at there's more positive than negative. And for us as fans and consumers and fantasy football, all the auxiliary things, it gives you another week of competitiveness, you know, to go ahead and continue into your betting lines, continue into your fantasy football championships, and I think it'll be more meaningful football at the end of the season because instead of it being that last haul in December, you know, where you're like two games in and then the season's really over with because, you know, 16 and 17 are a wash. Now you've got more competition going into 16, 17, and possibly week 18 of the season. Max, the Pittsburgh Steelers draft Najee Harris. I'm huge, highly, I'm a big fan of his. But I, Mike and I thought they needed to go offensive line. How do you feel about the draft pick, and what do you think about their offensive line now that Villanueva is on to Baltimore? Well, I think, uh, you know, that's why you drafted Chukes Okafor, right, back in 18, was because you eventually planned on moving him to left tackle. And Villa was there, Villa was a pro bowler, and Villa had a decent career in Pittsburgh. But as you saw last season, far too many times, too straight-legged, you start to tire. Uh, to be a left tackle. So I think with Villa going to Baltimore to be a right tackle probably was the best thing for him career move-wise. But I think for the Steelers, you had already been grooming Chooks Okafor to do this job anyways. Now he's going to get that opportunity. You bring back Zach Banner, who before that Giants game where he tore his ACL, was having a really good year and really securing the right tackle position. So I think you have your two staples at tackle, two guys that are, you know, 
tall, big, mean guys to play the tackle position. I think in the interior, Kevin Dotson was a welcome surprise being forced into action a year early than you would like to, but the kid from Louisiana really played well, and I think he'll be a great upgrade at the left guard position to really man that position. I think what you had to look for was that center. And they went and got Kendall Green. And the good thing about Kendall Green is you're playing next to David DeCastro. Stanford guy, highly intelligent. He's going to help with the calls. You know, centers don't have to look between their legs anymore for shotgun. you got the right guard for that, a slap on the hip type of deal. So I think with that, he'll have a nice rookie curve. He's going to have his bumps and bruises because the D tackles in the AFC North are tough. But he's surrounded by two really good guys. Kevin Dotson and David Castro. So I think it was okay. They didn't have to go jump the gun. They didn't need to go find a left tackle, especially where they were drafting. I don't think there was a left tackle that was going to just wow you and say, oh, my God, I had to get this guy at 24. Um, all those went in the top 20. And so when you got back there, it was like, okay, let's go for our biggest need issue. And that's running back. We saw what happened last season. James Conner out. Benny Snell could not run the ball. Jalen Samuels too tall to run the ball. And there was no run game emphasis at all. It was all Ben, and that's why Ben's arm wore out, was because he was throwing all these little short screen passes and, you know, horizontal passing game that wears your arm out for a guy who had a surgically repaired elbow. So if you could take that relief and take off those 15 to 20 extra throws he might have in a game, I think you're getting a better Ben Roethlisberger, a longer, more sustained Ben Roethlisberger to go with that great receiving core. They just need to make sure that they catch the ball because they led the league in drops last year. We're talking with Max Starks, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers, currently Sirius XM college football and NFL analyst. You can find him on Twitter at MaxStark78. Let's stay with the Steelers there. I think the AFC North, Max, might be the most compelling and interesting division. The Ravens have dominated it but have not been able to go anywhere in the playoffs the last few years. The Browns, Baker Mayfield, tremendous improvement, new head coach, a great running game behind Baker. The Steelers, can they hold on? Ben Roethlisberger, is he on the decline? And then what if you have a healthy Burrow? How do the Bengals improve? You got the Ravens near even money, the Browns at about 3-2 to two to win the division, Steelers at 4-1, to one, and the Bengals at 25-1. to one. How do you see the AFC North shaping up? Yeah, it's going to be competitive, no doubt. I mean, and that's how the AFC North has been for as long as I've been a part of it. I mean, you've always had the Ravens, always in striking distance, always playing a really tough brand of football. Um, you know, defensively, they were always going to be in every game. And I think now you say offensively, the way that they play, they're going to always be in games because they will keep it manageable because of just their consumption of time with the ground attacks that they have. And Lamar Jackson can push the ball downfield, but it's always one of those things where the run sets up the pass. And I think that's what's going to be the biggest advantage for them. Looking at Cleveland, Cleveland had a heck of a draft. They went and they got exactly what they needed when they needed it, and it made for a very good draft for them to draft for depth and not necessarily for instant need. So they were in a very comfortable position, and they they did a great job. So that's where I think now is the year where I think Cleveland might actually take that jump. Uh, to be the division champ, because I think they can now really go toe-to-toe with uh, Baltimore. And I think, you know, Pittsburgh, it's going to be a wait-and-see. How well do they gel? How well does Najee Najee Harris really implement himself into this offense? How fast can he get going? I think running back is probably one of the easier plug-and-play positions 
for a rookie, but it's a lot different than Alabama. Um, SEC is a great warm-up tool, but the NFL is a whole entree in and of itself. Um, so you have to be ready for that type of uh, attack in the AFC North with big defenses, but also the length of time plus adding the weather element because all of those stadiums are outdoor stadiums as well, and you're going to get a big dose for the Steelers at the end of the season. It's going to be a hell of a road, uh, you know, that, those last six weeks of the season. Um, so for them, that's really going to be the cutting time because you have all those division games, plus you have the Kansas City Chiefs as well thrown in there, and that's a tall task to ask for that Steelers squad. So I think the Steelers are probably right about 4-1, to one, and it would take some luck and, you know, some happenstance to get them to win the division, but I think they could still be a fringe playoff game. By the way, I got to use Max's line about the SEC not being the NFL during college football season to let all those people know that down there. But uh, let's get on to the Kansas City Chiefs here for a second, Max. To me, the Chiefs obviously prolific on the outside. Patrick Mahomes, best player on the offensive side of the ball for my money. But this offensive line, we saw them a bit exposed. They had some injury concerns. They moved on from Mitchell Schwartz and Fisher. Uh, now they've got an opportunity to sure things up. How effective can this line be, and do you see that as being the one weak point that could still expose them in the postseason? I mean, I think it can because, I mean, you went, you got a whole bunch of vets, and with those vets comes uncertainty. Kyle Long, you know, two-year voluntary retirement layoff. Can he get back into shape, and can he be ready to play at a high Pro Bowl level like he was accustomed to back in Chicago before the injuries? Um, Orlando Brown. I think is a, is a heck of an upgrade, a great trade, very smart by Kansas City. For a 31st pick, I would take that all day. That, that That's playing with house money at that point. Do we, do we that lose? guy that can play well. Oh, can you guys still hear? Yep, we got you. We got you, Max. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay, sorry about that. No Going through a little, little spot. But, um, you know, and then you got the doctor coming back, uh, DeVernay Tardis, um, you know, a guy who was on an ascension, takes a voluntary COVID leave and goes and, you know, try, tries to help his people in Canada. Um, he'll be back, and he's, he's a well-vested starter. So I think when you look at that, and I think you got Austin Blythe as well. So you have the right pieces. Will they come together? And I think with Pat Mahomes' style, they'll come together faster. It's going to be health by the end of the season because you do have the, that vet element you have to deal with um, with that team. But hopefully by then, end of the season, you can get some rest from them because you've already sewed up your division. So for them, it's going to be a health game. Uh, so with that, that's my only asterisk next to it. But I think it is an upgraded line from last year um, based on personnel alone. Max, we got about 90 seconds left. I want your take. How good is Panay Sewell? Pinay Sewell was, 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 was crafted in a science uh, experiment, um, chiseled by the gods to play left tackle. Um, and what I mean by that is he, he, is, he is your prototypical left tackle. I heard somebody that was a Detroit fan trying to, trying to sell the idea of him going and playing guard year one. No, you don't draft a guy like that that high to play guard. Last time that happened was Robert Gallery in 2004. Pene Sewell is not Robert Gallery, and he's a lot younger, has room to grow. He is going to be your left tackle for the future, and barring health issues, should be a perennial pro bowler, if not all pro, by the end of it. His technique is flawless. He has the right aggression level, especially for Detroit. I think he's going to fit in perfectly with them. Max, two-time Super Bowl champ, 
Catch him on Sirius XM College Football and during the NFL season. Thank you for the time, sir. No, my pleasure. You guys take care. You too. Thank you, you too. What a, what a great answer. He was in agreement with what we thought about Penny Soul. You and I have said this all along. This guy didn't give up a sack his junior year yeah. or sophomore year at Oregon. He's going to be a difference maker. You have a franchise quarterback that you drafted. You have him on his rookie contract. I think Cincinnati will regret this decision to take Chase for years to come. Again, your negative attitude. I don't like it. Joe Burrow's going to have an opportunity to watch firsthand from the sidelines recovering from another injury right there. I mean, think about how close he's going to be to the action to see what they need to make an adjustment in year three. How do you not draft a franchise-changing left tackle and you go out and get a wide receiver? By the way, you can go get a wide receiver anywhere. Yeah. Max Starks. Remember Max Starks in 2007? Uh, he's a right tackle his whole career. Switched and played left tackle. That is, not many people can do that. It's two totally different things. Listen, he's a very cerebral guy. Had tremendous success. First team All-SEC at Florida. Uh, had a great career in the NFL, winning two Super Bowls. So, I mean, goes to say without, I mean, excuse me, goes without saying how good he was. When we come back, we're going to take a look at some interesting props that were came up after the schedule was released. Can any team go 0-17 or 17-0? That's next on The Nuts. Back on the nuts, I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. Amal DraftKings have put up some interesting props. You know, we used to have 0-16, 16-0. We've added a game. So now there's some opportunities for 0-17 or 17-0. Let's take a look at two teams they've posted already. What are the odds to go 0-17? They opened the Detroit Lions at 80-1, and it's been bet down to 33-1. to Any interest you have, even if it was at 80-1, to that the Lions are going to go winless? No. What do we've had? Three, time, three teams in the history of the NFL? Lions, yeah. Browns, and... and uh... Who was the other one? Did, uh, I forgot. Tampa Bay. No. First year. First they year Tampa in, Bay. Yeah, 0-14. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, now you get an extra game. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I, I don't know. Jared Goff did take a team to a Super Bowl. I don't know if he's going to go on 17 unless he gets hurt. You've got some good draft picks on the line. I just don't think that's possible. Here's the one that I think has, is more interesting is the Texans. Uh, this opened 33 to 1, 25 to 1. You know, no to Sean Watson. I'm not sure here that they don't flirt with it. Yeah, but look, the reality of it is a couple of factors in play. They get to play Jacksonville twice. It's still an NFL team, and you have bad games against an opponent. It might be a spot. Let's say it's week 16, and a team's sitting guys because they don't have to worry about it, and they got an opportunity. Nobody wants to go 0-17. I think the additional game only helps, and it just enhances the opportunity for teams to uh, not go winless. So I think you're not going to see an 0-17. You're not going to see a 17-0. All right, let's look at the 17-0. You've kind of answered the question here, but we'll take a look at the odds. The Buccaneers, Tom Brady's team, no cold weather games. They could just get better. They played so well in the playoffs. They won three road games and then beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Uh, opened 80-1, and 66-1 for Tom Brady to go 17-0. Not happening. What so, would you need to take? What number would you take on 17-0? 300-1, 400-1? Not a number high enough. Okay. Think about this. What, the 72 Dolphins went 17-0 uh, during the regular season, the postseason, and the Patriots went 18-0 uh, going to the Super Bowl, and that was a one of really the arguably the greatest offensive team, if not one of the. So to me, I just don't see it happening. And again, look, if you have this great record like the Warriors did when they went 73 and not, and if you don't win the brass ring, it doesn't mean anything. 
That's why it's like when it's a joke to me when they try to argue with the Bulls. You didn't win. You didn't win at all. Who cares? And so for Tampa and Brady, it's about winning the ring. You could go seventeen and zero, and you can go nineteen and zero, get into the Super Bowl. If you don't win number twenty, it doesn't mean anything. All right, let's move on. Yesterday, you said in this this discussion about Tannehill because I said downgrade because Arthur Smith is leaving. There might be an effect on Tannehill. Doesn't matter. Tannehill's garbage. You said there were eighteen quarterbacks in the NFL that were better than Ryan Tannehill. I included two rookies, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. I think they'll both be That's better very quarterbacks. Deba- That's debatable. They haven't played it down in the NFL at all. But let's let's go down your list. Go ahead. Okay, let's start at t- number one. Let's go to the ones that aren't up for debate. Oh, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those are just three of the guys yeah. at the top of the list. Matthew Stafford, I threw that in there for you. Oh, I agree with you, though. <laughs> I know you do. That's why yeah, I threw I that one in there. I mean, there's a there's a Russell Wilson I didn't even mention. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, you look at in the AFC North, I'm taking Baker Mayfield. I'm taking Joe Burrow. I'm taking Lamar Jackson. I'm taking Ben Roethlisberger. Despite the fact that he's aging, I still think they're better quarterbacks. Do you think Tennessee would be a better team with Ben Roethlisberger on it than Tannehill? I do because of the fact that they've got a running game. They've got that 18-wheeler behind him. Can you imagine if Big Ben didn't have to throw the ball on seven straight downs on first down and goal, get a defensive penalty, and throw the ball four more times? Even if he's got that 18-wheeler, Big Ben is still effective. You know, the one part I think gets overlooked with Big Ben is his intellect and his knowledge of the game. When you've played in the league as long as he has, you have some understanding when you see certain defenses. You know which slot guy, which outside receiver you're going to go to just based on what you're facing. I mean, Phillip Rivers done, had done that for a long time, so to me... I think there's an advantage there with Roethlisberger. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to be able to sustain that, but right now I'm still taking Roethlisberger over Tannehill. Pedigree, experience, and winning. Pittsburgh throws four times first and goal from the two. Tennessee runs four, four times first and goal from the 12. That's, 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 the, that's, the, that's difference. the difference, right? Absolutely right. On the two-point conversion, they're one of the few teams that just hand it off and run it. Listen, when you got that yeah, big rig right. coming down, that Peterbilt coming at you, you're moving out I of the way. I think we've got about 10 or 11. Keep going. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> well, let's go AFC South. All right. Okay, Deshaun Watson. Of course, a better quarterback. You don't think Deshaun Watson's better than Tannehill? If he's in the league, go ahead. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. I was told not to make those types of. Are you going to say Carson Wentz no. now? Or gonna... Yeah, I am going to say Carson oh, Wentz. Oh my! You want to pull up the numbers? Oh my! Let me ask Fifth, you this: question. eighteen and eight the last two years, fifty-five and thirteen touchdowns, to interceptions, one eleven passer rating. By the way, was there a head coach not fired in Philadelphia? He was. Oh, was it all Carson Wentz's he, fault? He was. Well, he, oh. had a, he, he, he had arguably not too much speed around him in the, in the wide receiver position, but he never stays healthy. Listen, At least stuttering stays John healthy. John and Howard Stern. Stop being stuttering Mike over no, here. I'm the not reality... stuttering Mike. I'm, Listen, I'm answering the... your question. No, the I thought you is... could get through 18. You can't even get Can, through 12. Kansas, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. <laughs> I Patrick, agree. Patrick Mahomes. Agree. I'll give them the edge over whoever starts in Denver. Uh, the Raiders. Derek Carr. According to Matt Humans and Brett Musburger, he's got a higher percentage than everybody, so he's a better quarterback. But do you agree with that? I do I do not deep down. <laughs> <laughs> but that was your, like, 19th, right? Yeah, that, that was my 19th. He, he, yeah, I moved him up. Uh, Dak Prescott in the NFC East. Okay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I went with Fields. Kirk Cousins and him are a toss-up. Tannehill's got better, better mobility, but Cousins is more accurate, won't turn the ball over. And then, of course, uh, Jared Goff, I'll give uh, Tannehill the edge. Ryan Fitzpatrick? Uh, no. Close. We had so much fun guessing lines yesterday. Coming up after the break, Amal guesses Game of the Year lines. Preakness is Saturday evening, and the VSIN horse racing experts are analyzing the horses, the jockeys, 
the track conditions, the starting position, and prior race results to find the betting edge. Whether you play the horses every week or search the terms exacta and trifecta once a year, our team is here to get you ready to make your best bet on the Preakness. Visit vcin.com slash horses to find our full race coverage, special offers from our partners, and picks, get this all, from our horse racing specialists, including your man Dave Tooley, Ron Flatter, Jeff Siegel, Millie Ball, and Jeremy Plonk. That's vcin.com slash horses. I heard Mitch's wife is very good, too. He had a tweet about she picked the winner of the Derby. Well, listen, I'll give her full credit for that. But with the Thule picks, I'm just looking for the longest thought. Somebody's at 100 to 1. I know, I know that's a short. 35 to 1 or higher. I was higher. a little bit mad. My bracket didn't work out for the NCAA tournament. I took all 16 seeds for the Final Four. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dave Thule. He sticks to his guns, though. He's consistent. You have to say that. And his belief in the rake is also... Well, he he is must unbe- bet a lot of money on the Washington Generals. His, <laughs> they have won a few games yeah, over there. they have won a few. They have won a few games over there. Amal, we had a great time. We stole this bit from Gil, you know, the guessing lines where he goes into the cocoon on Sunday night. Actually, this, you know, you, nobody had the lines up, so it's plausible that you didn't know him. Let's take a look at some of the games of the year this year. And In fact, there are five of them that we have lines up on already. And let's start out in week four as the defending champion Buccaneers travel north to face... Tom Brady's former coach, Bill Belichick. They go to New England here, Amal. What's your number? Uh, I think it's going to be Patriots minus three. This is the Buccaneers, the defending NFL champions, traveling north to play the New England Patriots in week four. What's your line, Amal? I I just said three. You got the wrong side. You said Patriots three and a half? No, Buccaneers three. Oh, you said Patriots. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. I asked you again. You're right. Right on the number. Three and a half. Tom Brady laying three and a half on the road against, uh, maybe the the debate will be settled once and for all in this game in Foxborough. Whenever, whenever you'd like to do a segment on that, I have all. I'd the like facts you to do it with Lombardi. You got to do it on Lombardi because that's the it, best. It, it's going to be too. Uh, take it personally, and it's not meant to be a personal attack. Let's move on to week number five. The next week, Sunday, October 10th. Uh, this was a playoff rematch from last year. The Buffalo Bills, who many think could win 13 or 14 games, traveled to play the two-time defending AFC champs, Kansas City Chiefs. The Buffalo Bills at Kansas City in the postseason, what were they, six and a half? I think this number is going to be probably about, Cleveland was seven, so this line will be four. Three and a half. Yeah, yeah three and a half. Very good. I think Buffalo is going to be very good this year. I do too. Very, very uh, good. I think the combination of Allen and Diggs, uh, by the way, I love what Stephon Diggs came out and said. Say, they said, are you going to change jersey numbers? He goes, all these people have already bought my jersey numbers. I'm not going to do that to them. You, you know, when we talk about home field in the AFC, we know Kansas City uh, has been so good for and, and has the best quarterback in the game right now. But Buffalo playing in that division, when I talk, and I talk about Green Bay, if they yep. have Rodgers playing in that division, has a chance to get the best record. And maybe you have Kansas City traveler. Now, the bad thing is they play Kansas City heads up and it's in Kansas City. So yeah. the tiebreaker obviously would go to the Chiefs if they won this game at home. Yeah, absolutely. That's a critical point you <clears> make <throat> in terms of the tiebreaker. But imagine going to Western New York. It'd be a couple of factors involved. Weather could be a huge factor in late January there. And then also people in that part of the country have just been screaming for a winner. They know Jim Beheim's not going to win anything. So you got to look towards the Buffalo Bills. And it's only been about 30 mm. years since they've been able to get back to the Super Bowl. We should do an over-under count, Jacob, on Beheim references each week by Amal. Now, here's the, the, the blockbuster game because of the trade of the century, as you refer to it. Uh, in week number seven, that's Sunday, October 24th, the same week the Eagles come and play the Raiders during EDC here in Las Vegas, the Detroit Lions, led by, we think, Jared Goff at the time, 
will go to SoFi to take on Matthew Stafford and the presumptive Super ten, Bowl ten champs. And a half. Ten and a half. Wow, you nailed it. Did you cheat? Did you look at my sheet? You, you know me. Ten I, and a hook, okay, that's a pretty obscure number. Ten and a hook. We, we think it's my first week betting? No. You, why, can you tell your boy no. Mitch Moss this is why it doesn't take me nine hours to do Uber. the survivor pool? Uber. Okay. Uh, let's move on to week number eight the next week. On Halloween, Sunday, October 31st, San Francisco. And will it be Jimmy Garoppolo? Will it be Trey Lance? And will it be Justin Fields as they go to Soldier Field to take on the Bears? Uh, I'm going to say the Bears are probably a two-point favorite in that one. The 49ers are favored okay. by three and a half. That's the wrong line. That, that, that line will not be the line when we get to the, that game. Okay, so now here's my question for you as a better. Now, mm-hmm. this, we're talking about yeah. betting, not right. handicapping. Of course. Does that create enough value for you to tie up your money for five months betting this game to get the three and a half on the Bears right now? No, yeah, first of all, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer to that is no, but the other thing is, because remember, you're not going to be able to make a large bet on it. You'd, you'd, ha- you'd have to make a sizable bet at this point in time to make it worthwhile to tie it up. You're not going to be able to do that at this point. The other thing is there are a few different scenarios in play. We don't know if it's going to be Dalton. It'd probably be Justin Fields by that point because that's what Matt Nagy needs in order to be able to keep his job. Do we know if Jimmy G's going to be the starter there? He's hurt every other week. And how effective is Trey Lance? Imagine if Garoppolo is ineffective or gets injured. Justin Fields comes out and shines, and you've got Trey Lance in there, and you talked about the fact that he's a year away from being a year away. <laughs> so what happens if this guy's not ready at all? We could see a flip of the favorites, and the Bears could be a three or four-point four favorite by that time. For me as a better, mm-hmm. I'm much more inclined to bet the college games of the year. Because I would I, agree with you. I the think, line moves are greater. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the teams, if you think one team is evaluated too highly or too lowly, there's more advantage in taking, like the Michigan-Ohio State game, right? If you think the line is off uh, before the year starts. Yeah, I want to go back to something on this Bears-49ers <clears throat> game that yep. you mentioned. These are all numbers that are created from a subjective perspective of bookmakers. Just because they create this line doesn't make the number correct. You know, one of the things is people get scared off of lines. I've, done it, I've been scared off of lines for many times in terms of certain bets. You go through and you can create your own power ratings to however the hell you like. But to me, it's the bottom line is, are you confident enough? You know, I have a friend of mine. I criticize him every time. He's like, I like this. I said, don't give me your opinion until you go fire 10 dimes on the game. I, I don't care what your opinion is. Until you walk up to the window and whether it's a dollar or $100,000, whatever you're putting down to each his own, don't tell me your opinion until you go put the money on it. Now, they have an opinion, and they make it. Now, you've got to switch, decide which side. It's like the house advantage in blackjack. You're the one who's got to decide you're going to stay at 13 or you're going to take a hit against, the, you know, whatever it may be in seven or eight, whatever the case may be. All I'm saying to you is that it's a scenario where you decide if you think the line is right or wrong. That's it. And some of it, so what I do is I go through, I make my own number, what I think the line should be, and then I make a number of what the line is going to be, and then I look at the line. Preach. I'm just I, telling I, no, you. No, I agree with you 1 million percent. Your opinion means only to me what you bet on the game. Absolutely. I, say, I have this. I bet this. I would bet this. I'll take it. What did you bet? Yeah. To me, it's all about what you're betting. And it, the number is not relevant. It's only the number relevant to your bankroll, right, is, well, of what you put on it. Well, not only that, I tell people all the time, there's a big difference in having confidence in a game until you walk up the window and all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'm going to go fire on this bet, something that's outside of your normal range. You know, whether you're a $10 better and you go bet 50 on the game and that's a little bit, it might be uncomfortable for you, but that means you have supreme confidence in that matchup. I do the same thing with you, Amal. I put a number on a game. I put a money line on a game on hockey and baseball. And then when I see there's a difference, I look at it. Sometimes yeah. maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm missing something. But if not, I'm going to I'm gonna take that bet because I think that I create value. I create profitability there. I, I'm looking for two and a half or three-point differential in college hoops every time. All right. When we come back, everyone's waiting in America to see how many plays will Amal have today on the Amal In segment. That's next on The Nuts. 
The spring sports calendar is packed with betting opportunities and our VSIN experts are on top of all the betting action. We're looking at early season baseball trends, the NBA and NHL playoffs, tracking the favorites and long shots for every golf tournament. Cashing tickets is our goal no matter what sport or season. And this spring, you can count on the VSIN experts to stay on top of every angle. Start your free trial today at vsin.com slash subscribe and put our team to work for you. If you didn't catch VSIN last week, here's some of what you missed. The betting world uh, uh, fascinates me because we can bet on who the starting quarterback will be in week one for the San, San Francisco 49ers. Um, this is interesting to me because I know Garoppolo's saying the right things. Uh, Trey Lance, he's 20 years old right now. But look, Garoppolo, he's a favorite, minus 280. Trey Lance, uh, plus 220. Rosen, 33 to 1. Everybody forgets about Josh Rosen, the top 10 pick uh, from a few years ago. Uh, but here's the betting market for the starting quarterback uh, week one for the 49ers. <laughs> we talked about what's interesting and things that we can bet on. Hey, it's an old adage in, in gambling, Bridge. If it's got a pulse or it moves, you can bet it. And so here, who's going to move into the starting role for the quarterback position for San Francisco? I, I think with, with Trey Lance, it. When does he see the field? I just can't imagine that he would be the one to see the field week one. I think there's so much, just with the, the intricacies of the 49er offense that Shanahan employs, that's going to take so much time for, for a young quarterback. And he is a young quarterback, right, as he's just 20 years old or 21 mm -hmm. by the time we start the season. Young player out there, not a lot of experience either. And so I, I just, I mean, we look at these here, and I did forget Josh Rosen. I didn't know Rosen was still even in the <laughs> NFL. With exclusive bets, daily specials, odds boost, and the largest offer of live in-play options, BetRiver Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. And to make your experience even more rewarding, BetRivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time playthrough. BetRivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, 1-800-CALL, 1-800-GAMBLER, Indiana, 1-800-9 with it, Colorado, 1-800-522-4700, Michigan, 1-800-270-7117, Virginia, 1-888-532-3500, and Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Welcome back into the nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. Amal, it's the time of the day that we give out our plays. Yep. You had a winner last night. Yep. Kung Chien Ryu goes down to Atlanta and beats the Braves 4-1, to beats Freed. Uh, everybody wants to know who you got tonight. Just to let you know, I didn't make a play today. I didn't really like the baseball schedule. We had a plethora of games going early. And, you yeah. know, I, I don't like to give out a play that's in progress, so I, I stayed away. Mm -hmm. But it was a game that you're on, Detroit. This is a Kansas City team. By the way, how are your first-place Royals looking? Ever since you said that, you know what? They haven't won a game. Well, they've only lost 11, though. Wow, that's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> I mean, I, you know what? In this division, I think this comes down to White Sox-Indians. I still think the Indians pitching is, is. going to keep them close. The Minnesota mm -hmm. Twins right now are trailing one nothing in the bottom of the they're second. Gonna they're going to get swept. They're going to get the swept, and this season is over. Like they said with the 86 Mets. 86 and the Cardinals. Mets, Cardinals. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm telling you, listen, 
David Johnson talked about it. This is so true. This was an important series for Minnesota. They're looking at leaving Chicago, dropping three games here. It's just critical to where they go moving forward in terms of the standings. And now they're looking at being potentially 10 games back. It it was certainly an important series. I had three plays uh, today. Now, this is the importance of the newsletter, vcin.com slash subscribe, members-only newsletter. The Kansas City Royals had lost 11 games in a row. They're on the road, and Daniel Lynch was their starter who had an ERA of 18 and a whip of three against Big Red Spencer Turnbull. The game was a pick! It was a pick! Is it over now? It was 4-1 with two outs in the top of the fifth. I laid I laid 12 cents with Turnbull here for one unit, so that should be a winner. I, I'm going to fade Rodgers for the Marlins today. I'm going to take Merrill Kelly at home with the Diamondbacks. First five as well as the small dog here. I think I just think the, the Diamondbacks <clears throat> are as good a team as the Marlins, and they're playing at home, and I don't really love Rodgers. And then I want to get this line on the Chargers week one at the football team. I, th- I think this line's going to go up. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't get it plus one and a half, but as you said yesterday, the difference cross into zero there is not that significant. Yeah, I am just surprised for a game in September. You're, you're taking the play here in early May, but obviously you like it a lot. So well, I want to let the people know, the Palm Raiders, the 20, 23,000 Twitter followers or whatever it is. I mean, there may be some crossover. What's there, wrong with you? Hoops Peterson's got more than you. Well, obviously he does more work. I don't put out a six-hour podcast every night. <laughs> <laughs> on every sport and every season. All right, Amal, there's one game we didn't cover for game of the year. Then I want to get into Survivor because I know you've been sort of a savant in being able to put your Survivor together quickly and have, have marveled no, no, many. No, no, I've no, got, I've minute, got your morning there. people criticizing me because I can do this a little bit faster than they marinate all day long waiting to make one pick. Okay, let's f- finish off with the final game of the year from DraftKings. And it's in week 13, Sunday, December 5th. Maybe we finally get a cold weather game. Uh, Max Stark's Pittsburgh Steelers host the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, that one's going to be, ste- it should be a pick em, mm. but it's probably going to be Ravens minus a point or two. Three and a half. Ravens? Ravens three and a half on the road. If you look at the history of that series, there's no chance you should be laying three and a half points in this series. It's always a tight game. Yes. And Pittsburgh plays them extremely well. They know how to face off against them. To me, think about this. Over the last two decades, if you're getting the Steelers at home catching three and a half points at Heinz Field, it just you got to take Pittsburgh. Even if you lose on it, you go based on that number alone. During the show today, not before the show, but during the show and after the show started, we've had <clears throat> a couple of breaks. So about six minutes worth of breaks. And in those six minutes, Amal has put together his first eight weeks of survivor strategy. And I'd like to go through it with you, Amal. Yeah, I know you have no fear. Some people may be writing this down. They're going to buy five entries. They'll use variations of this. Uh, you're giving them a head start to get through week, uh, week eight. Yeah, so let's start with week number one. And I took the New York Jets going up against the Carolina Panthers. I like Carolina at home. Sam Darnold, revenge game against his former team, a team at home. And to me, this Jets team, as competitive as they were, I just don't think against Carolina you get a healthy Christian McCaffrey. I think Carolina's going to be a little bit better under Matt Rule. Robert Sala in his first game with potentially Zach Wilson as a rookie starting on the road. I think this is going to be a game that Sam Darnold looks forward to for the entire offseason. Interesting. You believe Zach Wilson will be the starter for the Jets? I think so, but even if he's not, I mean, I'm more confident in Carolina at home. Look, I'm not a big Sam Darnold guy. I mm-hmm. wasn't when he was at a USC. But to me, when you look at the fact that he's got an all-pro running back in Christian McCaffrey, now the wide receiver area is a little bit of a concern. You lose Curtis Samuel, but they've reloaded a little bit there as well. Uh, so we'll see what they're able to do. I, I just have some question marks uh, with the Jets in terms of can they put up enough points. I like Carolina at home. All right, let's move on to week two. And remember, in Survivor, folks, you can only use a team once during the year. Yeah, week number two, I went with the Cleveland Browns at home against the Houston Texans. Now, let me put this caveat in there, and this is very important. This Texans picks, I made a lot of picks against the Texans. 
It's based on the fact that I'm assuming Deshaun Watson's not going to play. Remember, Zeke Elliott got a six-game suspension. I think Deshaun Watson could be facing far more time, the point that you made earlier in the show. And if Deshaun Watson's out for six, eight, 10, 12 weeks, or even the season, I think it has a huge impact on this Texans team. They're looking at about a potentially uh, 1-16, 2-15 type of season. Do you risk, if Deshaun Watson ends up starting for them in week one, you'll have to redo this six minutes of work? Yes. All right, I let's re- uh, reevaluate at that point. <laughs> let's but, move on to, to week three. Well, you know, I, I, you know, one thing I don't like, I don't like getting called a liar by your guy. Nobody called you a liar. Well, it, was impl- it, it was implied. No, it's, it's, it's a little bit amazing that you can do that because a lot of people. Mike, let me ask you a question. You know me well. Yes. If we sit there and regurgitate a college football game from 1997, there's a strong possibility I can probably tell you when there was a miss decision by a coach in a game. You think I can't sit there and go through schedules when there's these garbage teams in the NFL at the bottom of the league? And you also have principles that you go by that guide you on this. A- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right, now, we... I've deviated from that a little bit this year. That's what cost you. Oh, on this one? one? Yeah, I oh, have. So you're going to give us a road team in the first eight I, weeks? I've got two road teams. Wow! Because the Houston Texans could yeah. potentially be historically bad. Okay, let's go to week three. In terms of week number three, again, once again, here's a scenario where I've got a team that I'm going up against uh, on the road in this one. This is the New York Jets traveling to the Denver Broncos. I like going against rookie quarterbacks. Denver, I still think, is a solid team. Aaron Rodgers could potentially land there. That could be something to take in consideration. But I'm not assuming Rodgers is there. I like Denver just simply because, one, you're at home. Altitude, always more difficult to play in. This Jets team, when you've got a rookie quarterback going on the road, and you don't have – look, Wilson doesn't have the pieces that Lance has in San Francisco, that Fields has in Chicago. It's not going to be as easy of a transition. These are two teams that were competing potentially to get to the Super Bowl within the last three years. Week four. Week number four, I've got the Buffalo Bills at home hosting the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. What do you think the line on that game will be? Uh, if no Deshaun. Uh, 14 to 17. Yeah, I thought it would be close to two touchdowns. All right, move on. Week five. The uh, In terms of week number five, this is a rarity here for me. I'm going with a road mm-hmm. team in this particular spot. And I've decided to go with, initially, there were two teams I was looking at. I was going to go Patriots at Texans. And then the other one, I was going to take the Steelers at home against the Denver Broncos. So I usually what I usually have is two to three considerations. The other ones I'm pretty adamant about going against Texans. If you go through my thing, and what, what these guys are not understanding is my all my picks for the whole season were generally home teams, try not to take division games, just against the bottom three or four teams in the league. I went against Jacksonville probably five times last year. And then similar situation here. So for me, this was a toss-up between Denver and Pittsburgh and then New England at Houston. I remember Denver in that game last year in Pittsburgh led late and gave up the lead. They had they had a uh um, a two-score lead in the second half. Of yeah, I actually think that bodes well coming back. You know, yeah. you know, you don't forget Serious. those things. I think usually you're a little bit more focused in those so situations. So you're saying Patriots or Steelers? Yes. All right, let's move on to week six. In terms of week number six, it's going to be a matchup that I'm looking at. It's a division game, which I generally don't like to take, but the Houston Texans at the Indianapolis Colts. So we're taking Colts versus Texans. Yeah. So that's... At this point, you might have gone against the Texans four out of the first six I have. weeks. And I have another right? one next week. Week se- What are we in, week seven? Yes, now week seven. Houston Texans at the Arizona Cardinals. It'll be Arizona. So five of the first seven weeks you're going against the Texans. If yes. you If you yes. use New England on the road. Yes. All right, and then you've gotten, you said, all the way through week eight. Yeah, week number eight. I'm just trying to look at the schedule here, trying to find this real quick in terms of the plays. Um, the play that I was looking at for, for that week uh, it was the Ram. I was taking the Rams in that matchup, and I'm trying to see who they're, they're playing. The Houston Texans on the road, but 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 this is why this is not that hard. Why don't you tell your boys, those Mensa members, in the morning that this is not rocket science versus Texans? Okay, so s- six of the first eight weeks you're going against the Texans. 
You, 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 the the shame of it is you can't use those division teams that play them twice. You yeah, can only use exactly them once, right? right? But yeah. remember, you said, you thought, yeah. the, uh, not the Lions, but the Texans, without Deshaun Watson. Now, this is all predicated without Watson. I think there's a shot they go in 17. I don't know if they do that because they're just, it seems like teams find a way. When you, if Jacob can throw up the Houston Texans schedule. Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence in his first game on the road in week one is favorite at Houston. So when Houston will never be favored Actually, this year. Actually, that's a great point. Yeah. That's an excellent point. They will never be favored. If Jacksonville's a, a favorite. A one in 15 team yeah. is a favorite on, on the, the road. road. Yes. It, they will never be favored in any well, game. We're taking a look at their schedule. Jags at okay. Browns, Panthers at Buffalo, Patriots at Colts. Look, if they can't beat the Jaguars. Home, home to Jets. Home, home to the Jets, but that is in week number 12. Uh-huh. They've, they're at the Dolphins. They have a bye. They're at Tennessee. So, look, we look. I'm going to tell you right now, we didn't go through the rest of the schedule. Mike, I'm telling you right now, I'm taking the Dolphins, Dolphins in week 9. I'm taking the Titans in week 11. In week 12, I'll skip that game. Week 13, I'll skip because they're hosting the Colts. Week 14, Seattle's at Houston. I'll take the Seahawks. Week 15 at Jacksonville. Skip that one. Obviously, I use Jacksonville. Chargers. Uh, probably <laughs> have used Jacksonville. Week 16, the Chargers. Week 17 at San Francisco. Give me the 49ers. And, and the then Titans. week 18, Titans. By the way, there's your entire survivor pool. So you can't use them the three times they play the other division opponents. Yeah, and against the Jets. And and the bye week. So you got to come. So oh, you, five times. And against the Jets. Yeah. So five times. So you use them 12 times out of eight. Out yeah, of 18 and I didn't weeks. use them in week one, but pretty much everywhere else you can use them along the way. So you're using them 11. It looks like you're going to lose them 11 times out of 18 Probably because I'm not going to. Panthers, I'm taking in week one. But the other times I'll just be going against the Texans. That's all it is. If you go back through my picks nice. and look at them. They're, they're, it's going against bad teams. That's all All this is about. Well, that's what happened last year. You had the two historically bad teams in the Jaguars and the Jets, and people were able to go against them four and five yeah, times Yeah, and each. I want to clarify one thing on that Jets game against the Rams. A friend okay. of mine and I were talking about, remember the Seahawks were coming off of a loss at home. That Rams game where the Jets played where they were 18-point dogs was not the same thing as when they went to Seattle the first time in that game. But I want to be perfectly clear on that. People say, what's well, the same? No, it's not the same thing. It's a way different spot. One of the guys that I respect more than anybody in terms of NFL handicapping, Jimmy Vaccaro and them had a meeting about him when he was over at Harris. Listen, there are certain spots. They're not the same money lines, and that was one of them. I want to be perfectly clear about that. I love it. Well, maybe we'll continue tomorrow and get the rest of your picks. There'll Absolutely. be a few you have to come up that weren't yeah. the Texans. Stay tuned to Visa. And up next, betting across America. Thanks for tuning in today, folks.